We are in the season of Epiphany. There's your mountains. Uh, and we actually, this other slide that we got from, from Benton Woodring, who's our graphics uh, and branding guy, that's like very obvious what season we're in. I walked in the door and I was like, yes, we're in the season of Epiphany. It's in bold letters across the screens. Uh, but actually, uh, boldness is, is, a, is a, like a theme for Epiphany. And uh, I was doing some research on Epiphany, as you do. Um, can I, have you ever followed in the Epiphany rabbit hole? I bet no one has in this entire room. <laughs> Maybe you, but probably not. Uh, this, is, this is really interesting. It is a season of boldness because it's a season where the church says, open your eyes, open your heart to who Christ is revealed all around you and in the scriptures. And um, what I love about being in the church calendar is it's kind of because we follow the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection, the giving of the spirit, and then we just do it again. And it's almost like a really good prequel. You know when you see a movie and then you see the prequel and you're like, oh, that's how that happened. Oh, that's why they're like that. And Epiphany is great because it takes us back to the beginning, back to when people were just discovering who Christ was among them and they were just beginning to follow him and you started to see everything that we celebrate in Easter and Lent and Pentecost, you start to see the beginning of it like unraveling, like a seed growing. And... Um, and so there is this boldness in Epiphany to see, to see who Christ is, to see who he really is among us and through us and with us. And um, back to the rabbit hole, in the Eastern church, what they do, and I just thought this was awesome, is they, uh, is they jump in freezing water, like negative 10 degree water Celsius. So I don't know what that is, Fahrenheit. Uh, someone can do the math. But, but they jump in freezing water. It's like this thing in Epiphany to wake the body up to see Christ more clearly. Like they do it all through the Eastern countries and the Eastern church. And I thought that was really weird and awesome. And um, I thought we could do that. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> uh, Randy Johnson's gonna lead us in that. She's gonna jump first. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hot tub, hot tub epiphany. <laughs> But uh, people have been asking, like, let's have another thing like, uh, like carols and nails to mark the season. So maybe next year, that could be our epiphany. <laughs> like, jump in freezing water. Some of you are up for this. But I love that picture of wake up to see who Christ is. Among us, in us, through us, Christ is the reason that we gather. He's who holds us when we gather. We saw last week... In our readings, uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people into repentance by water. And Jesus comes and, and he gets baptized as well. And, and we see the dove ascending, the, the spirit ascending on Jesus like a dove. And the words of his father over him, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And we see that, that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And then, G, and then John says right now in our story that he knew that he was the Messiah because God had told him, when you see the one who is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, that he will be the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And, we, and in this story, and we saw uh, John last week kind of wanting to relinquish his control of this whole situation. Like he was leading people up to this point. He was leading people in baptism, both personal and national, a repentance, a turning towards God and entering into the kingdom consciously of the new reality on the earth. 
And Jesus comes on the scene, and John, very understandably, very human, he, he says, okay, you're here, you're the one in charge, so I'm going to give you the reins, and you take it. But Jesus then submits to what John is doing, and he says, we must do what God is asking. We are the new humanity. He kind of jumps into the story with us. And that is our first glimpse at how Jesus is leading. He's not this like authoritative dictator. He has this way of leading among his people. He says later, who you see in front of you, these people that follow me are my brothers and my sisters. He says, I call you friends, not servants. He has a way of leading. We would call it maybe servant leadership. I would say it's God-inspired leadership that he becomes incarnate in the story with us. And he creates a community around him who reflect God, who reflect the passion and the purposes and the ways of God on the earth. That's the kingdom of God and that's the church. That's what we're a part of, the new humanity. And so Christ is creating that on the earth. And what John is realizing when he says in this passage, this is the one who existed way before I existed. And we know from scripture that the logos, the word, the creative action of God existed before anything was made. And that everything was made through him. But nothing is made that wasn't made through him. But the point is that Christ existed before all things and holds all things together. He is our Christ, is our setting. Christ is our sustainer. Christ is the one who calls us into this story. Christ is the one who makes the story possible. He's the one who fills us with the spirit so that we can live out our purpose in God. What John gets here is that Christ is in all, through all, he is all. Are you with me on, on that? And we see this, the breaking out of this new reality on the earth. And John is just a little excited about it. And I love that, I feel like they're just kind of standing in this square all the time. If, you know, I guess people, you know, obviously they didn't drive like 20 miles to get home. I mean, they walked everywhere. And, and, and so it's funny, you know, twice in this story, John sees Jesus walking around and both times he's like, look, 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 that's him. That's the guy. That's the one that I knew, that God told me about, that the Holy Spirit would come and rest upon and that he would then baptize not by water like I am, but sort of like I do because you'll be immersed in something, but it won't be water, it'll be the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will baptize you. Jesus is coming to baptize humanity and the Spirit of God, which means that we are immersed, drenched, overwhelmed, overcome by the Spirit of God, by the presence of God himself. That's the one. That's the one that I baptized. I did that, by the way. I baptized him, and I knew he was coming. And he's going to do something on this earth that we have never seen. He's going to baptize people in the Holy Spirit, change them, renew them, that they reflect the character of God on the earth. They do the works of Christ on the earth. I think that we see not only Christ's character, but we see what it's like to follow him. And we see John, what it's like to follow Jesus is to listen, to listen to God, to open ourselves up to God.
I know who he is because God told me, God was speaking to me about who he is. You know, as people who follow Christ, we should be walking in expectation from what we've, what we've seen of God, who we know God to be. And we start, as we, listen, as we listen to Christ, as we listen to God, we start seeing what he's doing in our world. We start seeing with new eyes. One of the commitments we have here is prayer. We're, we're a people committed to prayer. And what we mean by that is we open the fullness, the whole of ourselves up to God. Say, speak to me. Reveal yourself to me. We have a practice called the, oh gosh, the examine. We didn't make it up. We just kind of tweaked it a little bit. But it's been something that the church has been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's basically a practice to, to help us in prayer, to help us open who we are, the whole of ourselves to God. That we come before God every day I want more of you. I want to see who you are. Open myself. Open me up to you. We see through John the Baptist, one of the first things we do is we start following Christ is we start listening to Christ. In any way that we can, we start listening. We start seeing the preexistent Christ, the one who holds us, the one who will be, as, as, as John says, the Lamb of God, the one who at the end of all things is victorious, we start opening ourselves up to the thread of redemption and life that Christ brings into our world. We start listening. Are we people that listen? To be an epiphany people, that's what that means. We're ready to see him move, to get on board with what he's doing in our world. We asked these questions in house church uh, last week that were really great. Stephen gave them to me. I didn't make them up. Uh, he gave them to me over waffles a week ago. And I think they're, they're just, they're epiphany questions. And, and two of them are, where do you see Christ at work? Where do you see the kingdom of God at work around you? Where do you see the work of God already blooming and flourishing? Open your eyes to it. And the second question is, where, in what ways do you feel called to jump into that work? What ways do you feel led to? I like to say, in what ways could you not resist but to jump into the work of Christ? It's to be epiphany people. Amen? And then we see in the disciples, we see the beginning of the story. That, I mean, these, these guys live with Christ. These ones that follow him, these men and women that, that are around Christ, that have that get to know him, that follow him, that start doing his works, that are our examples today. This is the very first people. And I love that they just start kind of following him around. They're like, John's like, there's the guy. They're like, oh, that's the guy, okay. And they kind of like awkwardly follow him around. Um, which is interesting, you know, it's awkward. But <laughs> they're following him around and, and he turns around and he's like, what do you want? Jesus has that way of when we start getting close to him, when we start approaching him, he turns around to us and he goes, what do you want out of this? And the request is so simple and so beautiful. They're like, well, where are you staying? In a sense, like, we, I don't know, we just kind of want to be around you. And he says, well, come and see. 
Come and See is one of, I think, the most uh, honoring, beautiful ways in which to invite someone into this story. Come and see for yourself. Come and have your own epiphany of who I am, says Christ. So not only do we listen to God and we open ourselves up to him, but we follow him. We take action. We follow him. We, like the disciples, kind of awkwardly kind of make our way towards him and follow him around and he eventually turns around and he says, what do you want? I love that. I mean, they had no idea what they were getting into. Right? I mean, think about their life with Christ. It is a roller coaster. It's crazy. It's bold. It's adventurous. It's sad. It's lonely. But they're always with him. And it starts right here. And that's how it is for us. Most of the time, we don't know what we're getting into when we say yes. Janie and I have been talking recently, and we've been talking to my parents, and we're trying to figure out kind of like where we're going to live, where they're going to live, where's our other family live. We're selling some property in Texas, and that's sad to me. And, and the whole thing, like Janie and I are like, geez, like nothing is how we planned it to be. And those whose fault it is? Jesus. <laughs> I didn't plan to be here. She didn't plan to be here. I was just going to grad school and going back. But you, Jesus has this way, he kind of, he's like, just come and see where I stay. Oh, go do the things, oh, go cast out demons. It kind of like he ups the ante every time and you're just kind of caught and like, we're like Peter saying, wow, where else are we going to go? Now you've ruined us. You're the one who has eternal life. I'm not going to go anywhere except where you're going. Some of you are in that process of going, I don't, I don't I didn't plan on it being like this. But you can't leave, you're stuck. I mean, we are kind of like the stuck ones, right? Because we can't leave the one who has eternal life, who has the words of life. He's shown us too much. So we come to the table every week to remember who we are and who we belong to. That's following Christ. We listen to God, we open ourselves up, and we follow. The last thing I think we see here is that we invite. Andrew's like, I mean, I guess, I don't know what they talked about that night. But Andrew's like, wait, I need to go get my brother. Are you going to be here? Because I can't text you, I can't call, like, you have to stay here if I leave. I'm going to go get my brother. And he's like, brother, come here. So then, gets his brother And then he's in the story, like a major player in the story. And Jesus, like right there, kind of gives him this new name and starts speaking identity. How can you leave this person? He starts seeing people for who they are and speaking identity and purpose. And that's what we all want. But you can't get it yourself. This isn't like a self-help thing. Church is not a self-help program. What we do is we come to Christ and we say, define us. Speak into us to those places that no one else sees, that we don't even see ourselves. That's exactly what Jesus did with Peter. He does a lot with him. But he was invited into the story. Another commitment we have here is hospitality. That doesn't mean just setting a nice table. What that means is 
is we create spaces intentionally in this tangible world for the eternal to break through for the sake of others. That's hospitality, and that's what Andrew is doing. Saying, I want, I want you to be a part of this. Not like four spiritual laws, you're horrible, you need to have a, a cognitive conversion to another way of thinking. That's not what he did. Did you notice that? Did you notice that? That wasn't what he did. He said, I have found something. I have found someone. And I have found something in someone. Come and see. That is how we draw people into the story bloom. Some of us, you can say the word evangelism when we go screaming and running out the door. But it's just, it's just inviting people into the story to be known deeply. To experience what we've experienced. In Young Life, I've said this before, we always consciously left a space at the table when we came to the table to remember those who were invited but were not here yet. We invite people into the story. We listen, we follow, and we invite. However that looks like for you. We can get off track with this. We can start to turn Jesus into this abstract idea. We can start to try to live out the things that, that we see in Scripture kind of on our own terms. But that's not what we're created to do. That's, what not, that's not what God is asking of us. He's saying, listen to me. Open yourself up to me. Follow me. Stay close with me. And invite others into this story. You're not going to be able to help it. The last thing we see that, that Jesus does is he baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. Which means that Jesus immerses us, overwhelms us. He has the power to do that in the Spirit of God. So we don't do this whole thing alone. We do it filled with God himself, God herself. We do this whole journey filled with the Spirit of God. And Jesus is the one who baptizes us into that life, into the Spirit. And that's what makes all the difference. That's what keeps us going. I think the church has forgotten that. And we'll talk about that in Pentecost, and that's what Pentecost is about. But the church... I think sometimes it's forgotten that it is not us doing this on our own. It's not us living in the memory of Jesus who died a long time ago. It's us having that same experience that these people had in this story. We see him for who he is. We listen, we follow, and we invite people into this story. And we see people healed and set free. And that's like the basic gospel 101. And I'll say that the leadership of this church, the staff of this church, we are so excited about that in this season. What can we be doing as an, as, the, as an organization, as a leadership, to help people live more boldly, more brightly into that life? Actually, pray for us because we're going away. Uh, the CLT is going away next weekend just to pray about that. 
to listen to God and say, what are ways that we can just gently come around and honor the journey that people have with Jesus as they follow, as they listen, as they invite, as they're filled with the Spirit? How can we just get along, how can we come alongside that journey? D.L. Moody was uh, a preacher and evangelist at the turn of the century, and he... um, he tells this story that he was preaching, and he was, he was a good preacher. I don't know what that's like, but he was a really good preacher. And he, um, he said these two women would sit on the front row. Every, these two older ladies would sit on the front row when he was preaching, and they would pray. And he finally asked, like, what are you praying for? And they said, we're praying for you. And why are you praying for me? You should be praying for the lost, is what he said. You should be praying for the, you know, the, the people I'm trying to get. And they said, no, 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 we're praying for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would do what you do in the power of the Spirit. And he was kind of like annoyed by that. But he started asking and he started asking and he started asking. And one day he said it, he was walking down the streets of New York saying, God, if this is real, if you want to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, if you want to give me, immerse me in who you are, that I'm not doing this in my own strength, but I'm just doing it in your strength. Then do it. And he said, he actually doesn't ever record exactly what happened because he said he doesn't want to take away from the experience of it. But what he does say is that an overwhelming sense of love just hit him right there on the street. And he went to a friend's apartment and asked to be alone. And for hours he was in the room. And he said, I had to ask God to withhold, to stay his hand. I love that word, that phrase. To stay his hand lest I might die from joy. Isn't that nuts? That's the experience that John is talking about, that that Jesus brings, that he baptizes us in his spirit, that we're immersed in him. And Moody went on to like do incredible things. The church grew and grew and grew. He was changed. He He would tell his friend Tori, he would say, Every every sermon he'd say, preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how we can be filled with the Spirit of God. He was convinced. Bloom, this is a journey that we embark on. We don't know where it's going to end up. All we can do is open ourselves to God, listen to God. We follow Christ, we hang close, and we invite others into this story. And we do not do this alone. Not one single day are you alone. Because the Spirit of God indwells you. Jesus says he baptizes you, he fills you, he immerses you in the Spirit of God. Amen? Why don't we stand? Thank you for listening to the Bloom Church Podcast. For more information on who we are and how you can get involved, visit our website at bloom.church. Bloom.church